its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues. This station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I am your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is a pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a really fantastic show. I'll be introducing my guests shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. This will be really great. I just want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been thinking and learning about lately, and I'll do this every single week. I bought a book on Friday that I've been meaning to buy for a while, and so I finally did it. And the book is called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. He is the publisher and editor of Success Magazine. The premise of the book is that every choice we make and every habit we have will determine who we ultimately become. Every action has a consequence. It may not show up now, but over the course of a long period of time, the differences will be very noticeable. Here's an example that he cites in his book. Let's say you buy a $4 cup of coffee every day. If you did that every day for 20 years, that $4 cup of coffee per day would cost you almost $52,000, assuming that money could have been invested at 8% instead. Think about all the things you could be doing with $52,000. You could buy a small condo. You could buy a really nice car. Or you could uh, have a real nice start on your retirement account. Another example, let's say you're considering making a purchase today for $50. That $50 would be perhaps worth $200 or more in 20 years. Are you willing to exchange $50 for that item today? when that same money could be worth over $200 in just a few years. That's the power of compound interest. When we go for instant gratification, we make lots of choices like this every day, every week, every month, and every year. It adds up pretty fast. Perhaps the difference doesn't mean much now, but over the course of many years, it will become a substantial difference. Before I forget, let me give you the call-in number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866 404 4-6-5-1-9. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. With all of this in mind, I want to introduce my guest for today. His name is Rick Limpert, who is a freelance writer and columnist. He's based in Metro Atlanta, and as a writer and photographer, he's covered sports and events all around the world. His works have been featured in numerous print and online publications. He also has a very strong interest in technology and how that affects the way we cover and enjoy sports. Rick, are you there? I'm here, Brian. It's great to be with you. Yeah, welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm so happy that you're here today. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about your background. How did this all really get started today? Well, the short, the short story is I'm a refugee from corporate America, and uh, I put in my time in, in uh, corporate America wearing a suit every day uh, with the ultimate goal of getting out at some point, and I used my time... Uh, in corporate America, kind of honing my skills and and deciding what I wanted to do. And I always uh, had an interest in writing, and uh, it kind of moved out of there kind of slowly. And uh, now I uh, have about nine or ten regular clients. I am freelance, but uh, I stay pretty much as busy as I want to. That's wonderful. And one of those publications that you work or one of those uh, clients that you work for is Yahoo. You're a contributing writer for Yahoo. Yeah, they're they're my biggest client. So uh, whenever they uh, need me to jump, I'm usually uh, ready to go for them. Okay. So you cover sports and you cover technology for them. How did that come to you? How did you end up becoming uh, a contributing writer for Yahoo? I mean, did was were there a lot of strings you had to pull, a lot of doors you had to knock on? Uh, a little bit. They they like some of the other online sites have a. Uh, a trial program you can go through if you have a, a little bit of experience. They have kind of a, uh, I call it a, maybe a feeder program where 
Um, if you have an area of expertise or if you have uh, experience in, a, in an area, they um, will make use of that, and you can kind of go down that, go down that, that alley, and um, it may expand in the future. And they kind of call it filling in the gaps. It's uh, maybe you're covering or writing on something that they don't have a full-time person uh, covering. It's their way of uh, of giving complete coverage and uh, not missing not missing stories. Mm. That's great. So uh, tennis is one of your your favorite sports to cover. Is that right? Yeah, I grew, I grew up playing tennis. Okay. And what what other sports do you cover besides tennis? Uh, tennis and golf are probably the two main uh, sports I cover. Since I live in the southeast, you can't get away from college football. So I do uh, some college football in, in the fall and into winter. Um, I also uh, do motorsports, which are also big here in the south. I try to stay as close to home as I can. I traveled a lot in previous jobs, and I just uh, enjoy staying in the area here as, as most uh, – as most often as I can, and and uh, you know I do do venture out of the southeast a little bit when I have to. In the summertime, I I follow the tennis around um, around the country. Last summer, um, individual golf tournaments I'll go to if uh, if if needed. Um, just last week I was in Memphis at the the tennis tournament, so mm-hmm. um, a little bit of travel. Okay, so they assign things for you or do you basically get to pick or how does that all work they do assign things for you but also you can uh, since since i'm freelance i can kind of uh tell them where where i'm going to be and i can uh kind of go out of pocket to some places knowing what i'm going to recoup from yahoo and from some of the other outlets uh, i write for Um, i was down in january at the pga merchandise show in orlando and while Yahoo had a main golf writer down there, it's such a massive show. They can't, you can't be everywhere at one time. So, again, uh, people like me and, an, and another gentleman help, uh, help with the coverage. And, and uh, like I say, they call it filling in the gaps. They, yeah. they can't be everywhere at one time. So you, you just kind of help them out the best you can. Hmm. So in situations like that, do you write separate articles or do you collaborate on one bigger feature article? Or how does that work? They they do that uh, collaboration from time to time. I've yet to be involved in anything like that, but they're all my individual articles, and they give you some direction on what they need, what they need covered. But if you also they want input from you, so if you see mm-hmm. uh, something of interest to you or something that that maybe they don't know about, you're free to mm-hmm. to pitch that pitch them that as well and and uh, and cover that. Okay. During college football season, you do you stay pretty much close to home? I mean, are you covering Georgia and Georgia Tech an awful lot, or you go, uh, you know, Atlantic Coast Conference, Southeastern Conference, stay in the Southeast, or do you go elsewhere? I mostly stay in the Southeast. There's usually with uh, Georgia and Georgia Tech and and Georgia State now is a uh, Division One AA, what they used to call it, school. There's always a home game going on here every weekend usually and sometimes there's there's more than one there's it's not unusual for writers and and photographers here in the atlanta area to be at uh georgia tech for a day game and then drive over an hour over to athens for the georgia game at night and that makes a a very long day sure i bet it does so right now you you're covering tennis because it's that that time of year do you cover basketball at all I do a little bit, and the and the NCAA regionals will be here in Atlanta, uh, the Sweet 16 and the Final Eight uh, coming up in March, and I, I do a little bit. Um, I actually had a a piece hit Yahoo today on uh, Northwestern basketball and the fact that they are the only uh, school in a major conference that has never played in the NCAA tournament in uh, 73 years of the NCAA tournament. They yeah. uh, this is maybe the best shot they have. Of getting in, so yeah. uh, well, a lot of long-suffering it. fans. I hope they make it yeah. as well. Yeah. Do Do you think they have to win out to make it in? It's It's looking like it, and they have a a game with Ohio State this week at it's mm. a, in, at Northwestern. Mm. Um, it's going to be tough, and then they have to go to Iowa, and that's not easy. It's no. winnable for them, but uh, then the Big Ten tournament. So, I mean, I've seen projected brackets where Northwestern is in. 
they're the last team out. They're the last team in. I mean, they, uh, they're about as close as you can get right now. Yeah, and of course, there's one team that's near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, full disclosure, both of us are Iowa State grads, so <laughs> definitely want to want to talk about that a little bit at some point during the hour. But uh, they've had a great season. It looks like they're pretty much a lock. So that's that's really nice to see because there have been several seasons in a row of complete futility. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the famous athletes that you have interviewed. You've uh, you know covered you know sports and golf being your two primary ones. You've covered uh, a lot of events, and uh, you've, you've interviewed a lot of uh, great people. So let's talk, first of all, uh, Roger Federer. I mean, he's right now, I mean, for the last decade or so, he's been the dominant figure. I mean, right now, uh, Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal are number one and two, and Federer is sitting there at number three. He's uh, getting a little closer to the end of his career. But uh, let me just ask you, what are your impressions of him? I, I specifically want to talk about the confidence factor or perhaps cockiness, whichever way you'd like to label it, that he seems to exude. Is this, is this uh, something that you find common with most athletes? Yeah, that, that's the number one common thread, I think, between most elite athletes is um, they, are con- they are confident people, and they have to be. And, and some people interpret that as cockiness and mm-hmm. con- being conceited, but... Uh, they have to give off an air of uh, invincibility. I mean, Tiger Woods, when he was at his peak, yeah. uh, everybody was scared of him. And mm-hmm. maybe he's lost a little bit of that now. I think he can get it back. But uh, I mean, they they have to be confident in what they do. And, I mean, I think people in normal jobs can, can take something away from that as well. Yeah. Confidence really does mean an awful lot. I mean, I would rather have someone who – uh, is uh, of average or slightly above average talent who's really confident versus someone who's very talented and doesn't think they can do anything. I mean, that person is is not going to do very well uh, for me because it's all a battle in the mind. It's all a battle in the mind, and I think that's really where it starts. We are coming up right against our break. Uh, we are talking today with Rick Limpert. He is a contributing writer for Yahoo in sports and technology, and we will be covering both of those in great detail during our show today. And please stay with us. We are right up against the break. We will come right back on the other side. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please come back after the break. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Yes, there is an app for that. Yes, there's an app for that, too. And yes, there's an app for that. You hear it all the time. But what does that mean to you? Join us for Yes, There Is an App for That, the radio show with your hosts Chandler and Sherry George, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This is one radio show you can't afford to miss. Yes, There's an App for That is the show that will open your eyes as a business owner and entrepreneur. You'll learn what's hot and what's not in apps, internet marketing, and mobile marketing. And as a consumer, you'll learn what's new in the mobile app world each week and how it can affect your life on a day-to-day basis. You'll learn the good and bad about certain mobile apps. Plus, we'll keep you informed on what to watch out for for your kids on mobile apps. For more information, check out the website, catchfireinternetmarketing.com. Then join us for Yes, There's an App for That with your host Chandler and Sherry George. Thursday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. 
Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And welcome back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest today is Rick Limpert. He is a contributing writer for Yahoo, uh, writing sports articles and technology articles. We've been talking about the fact that he covers uh, tennis and golf. And we talked a little bit about Roger Federer, who is the former number one player in the world and was number one for many, many years. And right now he sits at number three. He's still doing very, very well. Um, You said that confidence was a really big key to his success do you think, and, and I'll tell you what, it seems like Roger Federer in tennis and Tiger Woods in golf had very parallel trajectories in their careers. They were both at the top at the same time. They became friends. They were winning majors at approximately the same torrid pace. I know Tiger Woods sometimes is really difficult to root for. Do you think Roger Federer is difficult to root for? Or do you think it's easy to root for a guy like him? No, it's, it's, it's easy to root for a guy like him. He has fans no matter where he plays. Um, I think he's probably the most popular face in tennis and, and the biggest draw, even though he's not the, the number one player in the world right now. But, I, I mean, I've seen people meet Roger Federer and almost just melt, I mean, in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a family man now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the latter stages of his career. He maybe has another major title left in him, maybe if the cards fall right. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's he's an intelligent guy. He speaks at least four four languages, maybe five, yeah, um, and, and very well too. I mean, he can go in and out of languages like, um, you know, like like nobody I've ever seen. So, yeah. um, and just a, just a that very may be a product of his schooling because I think, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say I think that may be a product of his schooling because in Europe, from what I understand, they require you to learn three or four languages. I think one of them is English, one is your native language, and then you get to choose one or two others of your choice. And that that makes you more marketable in the world. I think so. And these players have been coached not only in their sport, but they've been coached from a young age and how to deal with media and the fact that if they are going to be uh, superstar athletes and elite athletes, they're told you you should you have to learn English, you have to learn uh, another language. I mean, they they know that they're going to be conducting interviews. Uh, mm-hmm. In mul- multiple languages, and I mean, they're coached and and, and taught to do this um, all along. So, mm. do you think he's the same guy behind the microphone as he is off the record? I, I would think. I mean, I, you, you you never know, but you never hear any mm. any okay. bad things written about him. And uh, no, you don't. You're right. You know, he's been a great ambassador for tennis. Mm. That's true too. And I think it's been really nice to see his rivalry evolve with Rafael Nadal, who's currently the number two player. He was also a former number one. That is the one player that Federer just cannot seem to get past is Rafael Nadal. He has a winning record, a a huge winning record against every other major opponent he's ever played, except for Rafael Nadal. And a lot of that, and, I think, is and Novak, play. Jo- and Novak Djokovic now. So. Oh, and, and, and so he's caught up, too. So Novak oh, yeah. Djokovic is currently the number one player in the world. How do you think a player like Roger Federer views uh, that kind of threat from one or two other players to the fact that they're winning more often than he is? Do you think he gets energized by that, or do you think he sees the end? No, I think at this point he uh, he, he get energized, but he, he's a realist, I think. And he knows that those two players are younger than him, and I think yeah. I think he likes it. With, as with any elite athlete, they like a challenge. So mm-hmm. this is maybe might prolong Roger Federer's career if he thinks he can remain the top three, top four players and have chances in big titles. Um, I mean, it's something that Peter Woods was missing when when yeah. he was at the top of his game. I mean, they tried to build up rivalries. Uh, for Tiger, but none of them really materialized. But now in tennis, they have a big three, big four. Yeah, um, that that is fantastic to watch. Yeah, it really is. Um, and anytime you get two really popular players like Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal playing, especially at the French Open or even at Wimbledon, you're you're just all over it. You're just watching it totally. I'll tell you what. One of my favorite matches that I've ever watched on TV was the Wimbledon final. I think it was two or three years ago. Roger Federer was playing Andy Roddick. And uh, you remember that match? Absolutely. 
were you there? No, I was not there. I was watching. It? I was watching it on television here in the states. Yeah, yeah. Five set match, and didn't that fifth set go into a long tiebreaker? They, well, they don't play a tiebreaker in the fifth set. They you have to win by two games. Yes, and, and it went past the uh, the six games or seven games that a normal uh, set is usually decided by. And it was really Andy Roddick's best chance at at winning a Wimbledon title. Yeah. But again, Federer plays those one or two points mm-hmm. better better than anyone else, or he did at that time. And I mean, you have to be almost perfect to beat a guy like that in a match like that. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, I remember Andy Roddick winning his U.S. Open in 2003. I remember I was on one. Of, I was exercising at home. I was on one of those Tony Little freestyle gazelle things <laughs> in my living room, and I was watching that match. I thought it would be a great way to kill some time, so I did. And I was watching that match and rooting for him, and it just never was the same for him after that. And that match at Wimbledon, like you said, I think was his best chance. Of, of winning again, and it just doesn't seem like it was the same. Do you think a match like that takes the wind out of your sails in your career? No, and I think Andy Roddick was good after that. He, he was similar to that. It was just the fact that he had a Federer come along and then a Nadal and now a Djokovic, and that kind, yeah. of, that kind of prevented him from winning any more major titles. Yeah. I mean, in, in another era, I mean, Roddick easily could have four or five, six major titles. I can see that. I mean, if he would have played, uh, you know, in the 90s, that, that might have certainly been the case. Uh, you know, that was, that was the era of um, Sampras and, and Agassi and Michael Chang and uh, Jim Courier. Those guys were all really good at that time. So uh, you covered uh, the Memphis tournament. Andy Roddick played there. He lost early. I mean, is this happening more often for him where he's losing a little earlier than he wants to? It seems like he's reaching the end of his career, too. And I just want to ask, just in general, when you've been at the top of your game and things you, you see the end of your career being near, especially when, it, when you're talking about um, uh, athletic endeavors, how do you think uh, an athlete you know, handles that when they realize they're not at the top of their game anymore? It's hard for them because they're not used to losing. And these, I mean, these players have been the best at what they do for a, for a long time. And and as we see with other athletes, and you see it with with boxers and and such, it's it's tough to retire, and they give it up. So, um, I mean, they they try to hang on, but maybe sometimes maybe it's okay to do that. Sometimes it's not, and and I mean, they have to, it's a decision they every athlete has to make at some point in time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about a, a, a an absolute legend, Billie Jean King. You've had a chance to interview her, is that right? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. How long ago was that? Have you had several opportunities, or was that a one-time thing? It was a one-time. It was a one-time thing. I've seen her at events. She doesn't make herself available for a lot of uh, interviews anymore. But luckily, last year I was able to uh, to talk with her, and there were a few other reporters in on it as well. But uh, it's not often you get to ask questions and uh, to a legend like Billie Jean King, one of the most not only in the sports world, but one of the most important people of our time. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you what, and uh, we got a couple minutes before our next break. I think we could spend several minutes talking about uh, the importance of of Billie Jean King's career to the world of tennis and the evolution of tennis. One of the things that if if you're a student of the game at all, you know that Billie Jean King back in 1973 played that famous Battle of the Sexes matches against Bobby Riggs. I was pretty young when that happened, and so were you. But uh, tell us what you know about that match. Do you remember reading about that match? I've read about it, and I think it, it has been played on ESPN Classic or the, the Tennis Channel. I have, I have oh, seen yes. it. And, uh, I mean, at, at that point in time, it was the sporting event uh, in the Houston Astrodome. And, I mean, it, yes. it not only brought tennis to the forefront, but um, – you know, equality for women in sports and, and uh, look at women's sports today and it, it would not be what it is without that event and what, without what Billie Jean King did for women's sports. Yeah, yeah, really, really important event and, and we'll talk a lot more about, about that particular event and more about Billie Jean King's career uh, when we come back from our break, which is coming up really shortly. But just the whole idea that uh, Bobby Riggs, who I believe at the time was in his 50s, was calling out women's players and saying that no woman player could win a match against him, even at his advanced age. And uh, tell you what, 
<laughs> Billie Jean King didn't really want to play that match as far as I know, but she ended up taking the match and it was uh, basically more or less to prove a point and she certainly did it and, and that really is what defined, it was a, tur- a huge turning moment in modern tennis and we are coming up against our break. Our guest today is uh, Rick Limpert. We are talking about uh, famous athletes and getting inside the minds of famous athletes and figuring out their secrets of success. We'll talk about some technology a little more toward the end of the show, but we will be right back on the other side. This is Success Profiles Radio. Stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions in both their business and personal lives? Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list to Rockstar Radio Network. Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. Get ready for resources, tools, and support to help you build a successful business and live an awesome life. It's the Women's Business Success Show with your host, founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each show will feature a special guest interview. Tara will bring you highly successful entrepreneurs sharing their stories of success. You'll hear about the challenges they faced along their journey together with the advice they have to help you achieve more. You'll also hear from various personal and business development experts sharing tips, solutions, and strategies that you can easily implement into your business and life for amazing results. For more on Tara and her show, check out her website, aofwe.com. Then join us for the Women's Business Success Show with your host, the founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My special guest today is Rick Limpert. He is a contributing uh, writer for Yahoo in sports and technology. And we've been talking about tennis and some of the personalities that Rick has had a chance to interview. We were talking about Billie Jean King a little bit earlier and her Battle of the Sexes matches back in 1973. That was really a turning point in tennis history. And she went on to have, uh, she was ranked like either number one or number two in the world at the time of that match on the women's side. And uh, I think Bobby Riggs was long, long past retired. He was in his 50s, and he seemed to think that he could beat any current woman tennis player that was currently playing, and he was wrong. And uh, that changed women's tennis forever. They got more equality. They got more prize money, and the world just changed uh, because of that match. Let's talk about uh, another person that you've interviewed. You've had a chance to interview Maria Sharapova. Yes, I have. Tell us a little bit about her. A very nice person um, for a person that is really an international star. I think last year she was the highest-earning woman athlete in the world. Um, She's Mm -hmm. very down-to-earth, very Mm -hmm. soft-spoken, again, very intelligent. Um, I mean, even though she she was born in Russia, her English is, I mean, flawless. She sounds like she's from with a California accent or a, you know, almost so, mm. um, easy to talk with, gives good answers to questions. will will answer whatever you throw at her pretty much. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, a, a great person to interview and, and another person that uh, is a good role model for, uh, for tennis players, especially young girl tennis players. That's great. Uh, I just want to remind people if they want to call in and, and, 
and talk to us during the, the show. It's 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. And, uh, yeah, I, I think being accessible is, is certainly important to building your fan base. And I want to talk about something really interesting. You talked about how she is or was last year the leading money earner on the – was it the the – leading money earner in women's sports altogether or just in tennis? Not just in tennis. I believe, if, I think Forbes had her as the, the highest earning woman uh, or female athlete in the world. Yeah, and that speaks to something very, very important because it's not just about tennis. It's about everything that you parlay out of that tennis experience. I mean, being a winner certainly helps. Being accessible, being personable certainly helps. Exuding that confidence and being someone that – Really, people really want to be around you. That's important. She has been able to parlay that into a lot of corporate sponsorship contracts, and you can't can't do it in sports without corporate sponsorships. So, uh, let me just ask you: uh, Who else have you interviewed that you think would be uh, fun to talk about? Oh, it looks like we lost our guest again. I do apologize. Uh, there must not be. A, it looks like he's coming back on the line here real shortly. But uh, Maria Sharapova, in fact, a fun little story. I have a friend, a really good friend of mine, who was in Tampa one time, and he happened to meet Maria Sharapova in the airport going through security. And it was at the time that uh, Maria Sharapova had that uh, camera commercial where she had her dog with her all the time, and people were always wanting to take pictures, but it was always because of the dog and not necessarily because of her, and that was, that was really funny. And I, I told him, did you ask her about her dog? And she said, no, but he said that she was probably one of the most personable athletes that he could have ever imagined. She was much taller than he thought she would be, but she was really nice and uh, was not put off by all the attention at all. So it looks like Rick is back. So uh, tell us tell us a little bit, uh, who, who else have you interviewed that would be fun and interesting for us to talk about? Well, pretty much anyone in current tennis players we've uh, I've interviewed or had the chance to interview and uh, uh, Caroline Wozniacki, who was the number one woman tennis player in the world up until maybe about a month ago, mm-hmm. um, and, and and she's good as well. She maybe gives a little short, a little shorter answers than than some, but um, I mean she's happy to see media and, and goes back to the point, like you said, they know that the media serves a purpose for them as well too. They want to get their message out and. Uh, and talk to their fans, and and not only through the media, but now they're doing it on uh, doing it on social media, and uh, and public appearances, and uh, I mean they earn much more uh, money off the court than they do on the court or on the field of play now, and and they earn a lot of money on the field of play. So you know the the money that's at stake is huge. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how uh, social media seems to change everything. I mean, you're a real big fan of technology. I am. Okay, so how do you think uh, social media has changed the way that we view sports and cover sports? It's changed it a lot. It's it's made these athletes uh, come into people's homes now and, and and have a direct line to their fans and to the supporters. And it's the same with the teams as well. Um, you used to have to wait till the next morning to uh, see pick up a newspaper, see the the quotes about the game and what the people, what the players thought about the game and the coaches' reaction to, to the game. Now, a lot of times, it's on social media within minutes after the game is over, and it's, um, it's instantaneous now. It's uh, for sports fans and for you know any any fans of of movies. And like last night was the Academy Awards. They were they were getting a there was a Twitter feed that was uh, almost as soon as an award was being made, people were were thanking supporters and and directors and it's just uh it's just brought people closer together with the uh people they watch on tv and and root for um when they're in the stands yeah uh yeah people are tweeting a lot athletes like to tweet i mean what do you think of the idea of athletes tweeting during games do you think that's a help or a hindrance I, I think I think if they're tweeting during a game, there's something wrong. They, <laughs> I would they tend have, to if they have time to do that. It, now a lot of the sports have put in place um, kind of monitoring and limiting what the athletes can tweet. Maybe the general public doesn't know about it because um, betting is done around the world on these sports. Um, a player tweeting out some inside information about a teammate or about themselves. Um, is not allowed generally now in a lot of these sports. And any tennis tournament or golf tournament you go to, 
Um, even the media can't tweet out if they see uh, uh, a player limping or something in the locker. You're not supposed to uh, reveal any of that injury information online. I can certainly understand why why that's the case. I mean, you don't want to give your opponent an unfair advantage, or at least create a rumor that could be you know really really hurtful uh, in a game situation either. Um, so. Tell us, uh, technology-wise, what, what are your interests? What kinds of things do you write about when you write technology articles for Yahoo? Well, I do some, I do some general technology for, um, for another outlet, examiner.com. Every, every day I do a, a, a little tech piece for them. But for Yahoo, I, do the, I cover the intersection of sports and technology, which is a, a wide-open field. And, and people may think it's a little niche, but it's uh, – Sports has been a breeding ground for technology advances for years and years, and a lot of the technology that we use in our in our homes and our everyday lives it has been developed be, with an original use um, in the world of sports. So uh, it's, it's a, a huge growing field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you talk about apps quite a bit. I know that when we've had our discussion, you talked about um, the use of apps. I think we'd have a few more minutes here before our next break. Sure. Um, I mean, we're, we're living in an app society right now where um, everybody's carrying around a smartphone and a lot of us are carrying around tablets. Um, I'm, I'm one of them, and, and not only for my personal use, but they're both aids in my, in my business. And there's apps for note-taking and for recording and, of course, for picture-taking. And, uh, I mean, basically we're carrying around a, a personal computer in our pocket with these cell phones we're, we're using these days. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, uh, golf. I know you, you also cover golf. Um, have you had a chance to interview Tiger Woods, or have you, which golfers have you interviewed? Um, I haven't interviewed Tiger Woods. I've been in a press conference with Nick Faldo. Um, oh, he's fun. Yeah, the, he actually now is more of a broadcaster uh, right. than a than a player, but he's very uh, affable and uh, good quotes and and I mean he was uh, um, he was Tiger Woods almost before Tiger Woods. He won uh, majors and and was the number one player in the world. He was kind of in the Greg Norman uh, that that era, but right before Tiger Woods and and uh, again a very smart guy, um, a competitor. Um, just another another great interview. And down in Orlando at the PGA uh, Merchandise Show, I actually had the opportunity to interview Billy Casper, the oh yeah, um, the uh, old time golfer from the year uh, Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, Jack Nicklaus era. And he has a he had a book that was coming out, and and he's kind of the known as the forgotten golfer of that era, where he. Uh, didn't win as many majors as a Jack Nicklaus, but he had a great Ryder Cup winning percentage and won a lot of regular PGA uh, Tour tournaments. And, and a lot of people don't remember what uh, Billy Casper meant to the uh, game of golf and and uh, everything he accomplished. Another very interesting man. Oh, I bet I bet they have some really interesting stories back the way golf used to be. Uh, I remember growing up, I mean, Jack Nicklaus, of course, was you know right at the top of his game. Tom Watson was coming into his own, and and uh, you know Seve Ballesteros. I mean, those were the players. I don't remember a whole lot about Johnny Miller's career, although I do know that he he won you know in the early '70s an awful lot. And of course, he's a a broadcaster on NBC. He covers golf for them, and very yeah. outspoken. Do you think that's what makes an athlete interesting? Is the fact that they're willing to say what's on their mind, or or do you think there's just way too much uh, guardedness about athletes no. today? That's that's what people want to hear. And one question I like to ask, especially the older athletes, is how they feel about the technology sports today. If they're bitter about it, and uh huh, okay, are you are you there? We we may have lost our guest again. Well, we are coming up against our, our break here pretty soon. We are talking with Rick Limpert. This is Success Profiles Radio. He's a contributing writer. 
uh, for Yahoo. He writes for sports and for technology. He's had an opportunity to uh, interview a lot of really amazing athletes. We've been talking a little bit about the mindset of these athletes and what makes them special, what makes them winners in their chosen field. Confidence is extremely important. The fact that people are personable is extremely important. Uh, it's just it's just been an amazing journey. We do have one more segment to go. We will be right back on the other side. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future... Business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no nonsense style, along with an innate ability to form connections with people, gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rockstar Radio Network. You will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. Okay, and we are back, and this is Success Profiles Radio, and uh, uh, I am your host, Brian K. Wright, and our guest today is uh, Rick Limpert, and uh, we've been talking about some very interesting things today. Uh, we've been talking about how he's been a contributing writer for Yahoo for sports and technology. He has um, uh, interviewed a lot of great athletes. So let's, let's talk a little bit about golf. We talked about Nick Faldo a little bit uh, and uh, other interesting golfers that maybe you've had a chance to interview. Well, I think most of the American golfers are are pretty interesting. They're they're a little more reserved maybe than some of the other athletes that that we cover in team sports, maybe because they're they're mainly on their own with a caddy out there on the course. But um, Jim Furyk's a, a a great guy, and and Davis Love the Third is good, our Ryder Cup captain now. And a lot of the of the young golfers are real uh, real eager to talk to you and, and real good interviews as well. Yeah, who do you think is the the up and coming golfer that that we should be looking out for? There's there's really a lot of them, and and golf could get really interesting here in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, your your Rory McIlroy is uh, is a great player, and and uh, some some young Americans that are that are chomping at the bit, and and uh, then also some veterans hanging around too that look that are uh, competitive. I mean, athletes now are competitive uh longer longer careers and and golfers are still winning majors in their 40s so yeah absolutely um, makes it makes it really interesting 
Yeah. Well, let's let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I know you like to read. You have a Kindle, and uh, what kinds of books do you like to read? Um, I, I, since I read a lot in my uh, for my work each day, when I when I do sit down to read, I really like to to read things that I enjoy, and and of course, sports is something I can't get away from, even when I read. and And I love to read biographies, and I really like uh, John Feinstein uh, books. Um, if your listeners aren't familiar with him, he writes a lot of the inside of sports um, type books where he'll follow a team around or a coach around for a year um, and then write a book about it. And, and uh, he had a, a great book um, about the Army-Navy football rivalry. And, of course, his first book when he followed Bobby Knight and Indiana Hoosiers around for a year was um, kind of the book that, that launched his career. Great yeah, writer. He- yeah, that's absolutely that's that's great. I mean, Bobby Knight is, is certainly an interesting character. Do you know what season it was that he followed him around? Was it one of the seasons that they were doing really well, or was it a season when they were doing really terrible? I, I can't remember exactly. I think it's one of the seasons where they lost in the NCAA's early. I think, and that uh, that caused some controversy. And and I think if they might have won, um, Bobby Knight maybe would have reacted a little. But he he was he didn't like the the outcome or didn't like the book. When it came out, he even though that he gave access to the to the reporter and he knew fair game what um, was going to be covered. It, in typical Bobby Knight fashion, he was, he yeah. was upset about it. Oh yeah, well he got upset about a lot of things. I mean he he seemed to have a lot of very rigid control over just about everything. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, team building. I mean both of us went to Iowa State and they. Uh, they're rebuilding their football and their basketball programs, and I think when you start, when you build a team, even even just as as general the general public, you know, when you're out in business, trying to build a team, uh, there's some things that you really need to consider. There's a lot of philosophies of team building. What do you think you've observed um, as you've covered sports in terms of how people build a team and what works? I think I think that players have to like each other. And if you uh, if you look at successful teams, they all seem to get along, and they're like pieces that fit into a puzzle. And uh, if you could, you can't have a team with five superstars on a basketball team. Um, there's roles to play, and you have to have um, a player that's going to suck it up and play defense, and another player that's going to battle for the rebounds. And uh, if you have a team with five scores, there's not enough balls on the court to to play the game. No, that's true. In fact, there are teams that have tried that concept. I think uh, the Lakers, when Phil Jackson was still coaching, they had Shaq and Kobe, and then they tried to add Carl Malone and Gary Payton at the end of their careers. That didn't work at all because you had four people on the court that wanted the ball, and that doesn't go very well. They, there's different roles in sports, just like the side in business, and it takes all those roles working together to, uh, to be successful. Yeah, yeah, and if everyone wants to do the same thing, or if everyone's good at the exact same things, or they're all really terrible at the exact same things, nobody's skills complement each other. I think uh, I think character has a, a huge impact on how well you build your team. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, you have to be able to trust your teammates and your coach or your boss, um, or you're just going to have mess after another. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, let's let's switch gears a little bit. Um, do you have any favorite biographies that you like to read? I know when we've talked uh, before uh, before the show, you spoke about um, biographies that you like to read. Who are your favorite people to read about? Well, in addition to sports, I love to uh, read and uh, and research uh, about food. And uh, I've recently read uh, the the autobiographies of uh, Dave Thomas, who was the uh, Founder of Wendy's, he was the—he's deceased now, but the the man that was in all the Wendy's uh, hamburger restaurant commercials, and also uh, since I live in Atlanta here, uh, an important person here in the community in Atlanta is uh, Truett Cathy, who was the uh, founder of Chick Fil A, and mm. he has he has a great autobiography out about um, building a business from the ground up and and forty years putting in time and and how. He's always tried to do things the right way, and Chick-fil-A is not open on Sundays. He feels that's the day off his employees should have. And uh, his autobiography, is it's called How Did You Do It, True It, and uh, just a fascinating read. 
Wow, that's that's great. I know that there's a whole culture around that company. It's a it's a very uh, a Christian based company, you know, based on on you know Christian biblical principles, and that's why they're not open on Sundays. I think that uh, attracts a lot of people. And go ahead. It does, and he offers a great scholarship program for his for his work. And truly, it is a company where if you start um, on the ground floor, you can work your way up. That sounds great. Okay, we are talking with uh, Rick Limpert. Uh, this is uh, Success Profiles Radio, and uh, Rick has done some very interesting things. He writes for Yahoo. Who else do you write for, by the way? Um, I've, I've had works published. In, I, since I am freelance, I do get uh, assignments thrown at me from time to time. Um, I've um, been in Sports Illustrated and, and on their website. Um, I've done work for the uh, United States Tennis Association, um, I've done work for that's been picked up by various newspapers around the country. Um, that's one of the things I like about being freelance is uh, um, it's something new every day, and you never know where uh, it's going to take you, where your works are going to be uh, published each day. Hmm. So what's next for you? Um, I mean, sports and technology is kind of the niche that I like, and, and – uh, um, you see a lot of uh, TV stations and, and outlets that have a, a specific sports business person or a, um, a sports, a legal sports person, and I see my niche as kind of sports technology. That sounds great. Well, we've had a, a, a good program, uh, despite some technical break- breakdowns. We still managed to have a good program, and Rick, I'm so glad that, that you're able to be on the show today. Anytime, Brian, and. Uh, we can root on uh, the Iowa State Cyclones here in the next month or so and see how far they can go. Absolutely. Uh, we are wrapping up, and uh, I just want to remind everyone that uh, we are on every Monday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Success Profiles Radio. You can see my show page at successprofilesradio.com, which is on the Rockstar Radio Network. And on that page, you can link with me to be on Facebook and Twitter. I'd love to have you follow me. We are wrapping up. Thanks once again for listening. This is Success Profiles Radio. See you next week. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each week, 